Hey everybody, it's Bo here with a quick note before we jump into today's episode. At this point in our MCFC journey, we were still kind of figuring out our setup, and because of that, the audio might be a little less than perfect. Fear not, the sound quality in future episodes will get you close to orgasm, so there's something to look forward to. But we were so excited about these films and the discussion that follows, we wanted to get it out there in the best shape we could. We hope you'll bear with us. Thank you so much for tuning in, and now let's get into the show. Okay, welcome back, Movie Cinema Film Club. Uh, the next episode, um, we like to call it the MCFC. That's our little motorcycle group club thing. Um, vroom, vroom. This week, we've got two great films picked by Ian. First, we've got Downtown 81 by Ido Bertoglio from 2001. We've also got Through a Glass Darkly by Ingmar Bergman from 1961. What's my daily this week? This week, my daily is. Uh, there was this Tiki Cruise um, that we got online with some friends, and it's supposed to go out. I didn't know much about it before I went on. I knew that it was a cruise that went around the bay, and it was supposed to be Tiki-related. But they didn't have drinks on the boat. You had to bring your own drinks. And then when I got there, they informed us that it was an improv comedy uh, based cruise, which just means the guy who's the captain has done improv and thinks he's funny and has done comedy and thinks he's funny. And so then he tried to make the whole cruise about like, oh, welcome to San Diego, everybody. We've got a real boat for you here. So I'm going to show you over here. This is the Coronado Bay Bridge. I'm going to give you a few details about it and then make a joke. <laughs> and everyone was just like, please stop. This is awful. Everyone was like that. Everyone. I really channeled my inner Bill Murray because I had a fantastic time on the boat um, and just made it uh, the experience that 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 I wanted to have. So um, it was wild and rowdy and I made friends. I made enemies. It was it was perfect. It was perfect. And I feel like, I, I you know, I live for moments where things get like crazy and awkward at the same time. So, uh, that, that, that was my, that's my daily because like I had such a great time doing it. I still yeah. am confused about the idea that this was supposed to be a quote comedy improv tiki cruise, but the guy made no attempt to be anything that seemed funny or improvisational. <laughs> it was really, it was a mutiny. It really was. It was mutiny on the bounty. Plus improv. Yes, and. Uh, yes, and. I was highly entertained. <laughs> Britt, um, uh, I would love to hear your daily, which I imagine will be exactly the same as Bo's as the... No, no, it, no, no. It no. is not, because my daily actually happened today, uh, which was that I got to see my grandma, who lives in all of our favorite place, Buffalo, New York. Uh, she came in town whoop, to stay with whoop. my mom yesterday, and she's here for the week. So me and my sister and my nephew all went up to my mom's house today. We had a mini almost birthday party for my nephew because his birthday is coming up uh, later this week. And uh, it was great. We just hung out and ate good food. He made us all um, custom hats because he's really into art 
And so there were a lot of like art supplies and construction paper and things set up on the table. And um, we all got custom top hats and my mom got a unicorn horn. Um, I got sort of a dunce cap. It, it was like sort of like the unicorn horn, but it was like positioned on top of my head. I was like, all right, maybe you don't know what that is, but it's fine. Um, but yeah, yeah. I know, he so knew what it was. I probably, yeah, he's pretty smart. Um, so it was just good, good to have a nice family moment and see my grandma who I almost never get to see because I'm not trying to go to Buffalo. Um, well, you're. You're going but it, to, was, it was a good time. You're going to New York in December, right? I mean, it's a perfect time to visit. It's kind of on the other side of the state, though. It's a, yeah. you're, flying, you're, you're flying directly over your grandma. <laughs> you can't stop and see your grandma. really. I think they actually sort of swoop in from the south. So. Fair. I mean, yeah, your, we're not going to your Buffalo. Does grandma That's know fine. that you're going to New York in December? She may not be aware. Does she need to know? Does she need to know? I don't think she needs to. She actively listens to this podcast. I'm going to see her plenty this week. We're going to have a great time. It's all good. How come you're not wearing <laughs> your hat? Um, I actually left it accidentally at my mom's house on purpose. Oh, boy. Seems like oh you really boy. care about your family. I really, really <laughs> do. It was so great <laughs> to spend time. <laughs> And to have a custom hat created for me that I left in a pile of dirt in the backyard. How old? How old is your grandma? <laughs> Jesus. My grandma is eighty-three, I believe. Yeah, wow. and she looks just not a day over. I'm gonna give it sixty-five tops. She looks hey. fucking great. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. Still a fox. Well, I'm glad you got to see her. I know you, you won't have any other opportunities in 2020 to see her. Um, Ever. But, yeah. Right. No. Wow. But the home, Nothing court, coming home up. court advantage. Um, that's yeah. wonderful, though. That's wonderful. Yes. Yeah. Um, How about you, Ian? Uh, my daily is very similar to both of you. Uh, <laughs> no, no. You no. saw your grandma on a boat? No, no, no. But I had... Um, I've been very emotional lately, you know. Oh. Uh, I get so emotional, baby. Yeah, exactly. And what happened? Tell us. Speak to the mics. No, that's not that's not part of the daily. Okay. The daily oh, is Okay, all right. Uh, What's the daily? You can tell us. It's yesterday. Uh, well, if I were to rank like a top five things that give me joy in life, in my top five would be riding my bicycle, uh, either in an urban setting or late night in an urban setting. But I just love that. And it was a big part of my life for the last 10 years. And I don't experience that much in Dallas due to the heat, due to mm. motorists not really being used to cyclists, not many bike lanes. And I really don't ride my bike that much. And that makes me very sad. Mm -hmm. And I decided, again, yeah. just like, if you want to do something, just do it. And the temperatures have cooled off here. But uh, yesterday, I went on, like, a super long bike ride in the city and went to a couple breweries and kind of, like, places that, like, I haven't been to this one before. Haven't been here before. Let me just go explore this city that I've been in for one year. And it made me so happy. Yeah. I just uh, really That's awesome. miss doing that thing. So, Yeah. 
That's awesome. Making it happen. Making it happen. Good on you. Yeah, it was a great, it was a great time. It's a great time. Good for you, buddy. Thanks, 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 and thanks for sharing all your dailies. Are you guys ready to get into some movies, though? Hell yeah. I'm ready. I would like to start with Downtown '81, directed by Ido Bertoglio. Uh, and really became famous because it features one of my favorite artists, Jean-Michel Basquiat. Uh, oh, Jean-Michel. 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 I love Basquiat, actually. Um, Do you actually love Basquiat? No, I truly knew nothing. <laughs> I No, I, I just, honestly, I'm glad I watched this, but uh, and we'll talk oh about it. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I don't, it's one of those yeah. things that, like, I should know way more about this guy, and I don't, you know? And so this yeah. was a film shot in 1981, and due to a variety of factors, never came out until, like, 2000 or 2001. Uh, kind of like after oh. his death, like, the estate was kind of tied up. The film didn't get into the hands of Ido Batoglio until, like, the 90s, the late 90s, and here we are. But, Bo, since you are a fan of Jean-Michel, please, I'd love to hear what you think of this movie. Well, Basquiat was actually, I think he was found by uh, Andy Warhol. So he's in that whole collective of New York artists that were just doing something next level. Um, Yeah, Downtown 81 is an interesting film that... I have to suspend all of my hate for poor audio, bad lip syncing, uh, things like that. Maybe even just lack of like any story um, to enjoy this film. I did like this film uh, on, on many levels. I do think it struggled a lot to to be something other than a music video. Um, it felt like in the beginning it had a lot of story. It was trying to say something. And then all of a sudden it's like, and here's these 12 bands. Uh, let's just keep watching these bands. Um, band after band after band. And I was like, okay, this is like full concerts. And, and we're not really like meeting these, these artists really by the end. Um, I felt it was a little messy, but it was really interesting to see a portrait of this person, whether he was an actor or not. Like it was interesting to see this person that I, whose work I know acting on in some way, you know, that, that was, that was, that doesn't make it a good movie. That just was interesting for me to watch. Um, I was kind of left wanting something more from this. And the reasons I liked this film are probably not why this film was made. I, well, actually, I know they weren't because it's like, wow, look at New York in the 80s. Wow, look at these people. Wow, look at all this stuff going on and in, a, in a world, in a time, in a place that I don't know and will never know. How cool is this? This is amazing. And when he said his painting was $500, I was like, I'll take it because... <laughs> Uh, his paintings are worth millions and millions of dollars now, you know. Um, but ultimately, I just kind of felt like 
this movie didn't really know what the fuck it was doing, for lack of a better term. I'd love to hear, before I uh, grill this even more, um, I'd love to hear what Brittany has to say about Downtown 81. I would, I would love to pick up the grilling torch. Uh, <laughs> Great. <laughs> I struggled with this a lot. <laughs> and even trying to, you know, once it ended and I like, I, I assumed something must have happened with the original audio because that becomes apparent right fucking away. Um, and so even after it ended and I was like, yeah, okay, that's for sure the case. And I can try to put aside the horrifically timed voiceover. And then on top of it, that the people that they got to do these voices apparently didn't feel the need to put any like acting effort into it. And just were like, sure, I'll read these lines. Um, Even if, you know, this had come out in 81 and none of those things were a factor, I still struggle to understand like what this was trying to accomplish. Um, because like Bo was saying, it's like it starts out with like, yeah, we have a story. He's out of the hospital. He got kicked out of his apartment. He needs to sell this painting. We're about to go on a journey. Like, okay, let's do yeah. that. But then with that very thin sort of start of a story, it doesn't take any of that anywhere. And he pretty quickly in the movie gets the money. He sells the painting, but he doesn't go yeah. back and get his apartment. He's like, oh, I guess I'll just... Wander the streets for no reason. And then he meets this woman and they have this crazy connection, but then they get separated and then he finds her again and decides, yeah, yeah, we can go our separate ways, whatever, for no reason. And I'm just like, I would have rather that it either picked a story and went on that adventure, no matter how crazy or ridiculous or unbelievable or fairy tale ending it wants to be, or be a music video, be a time capsule have no story and just do that. But I feel like it's sort of half-assed both of those things. And I just was like, then, you know, when you add the horrific voiceover acting on top of it, I was just like, how long is this? Like I must've checked probably seven or eight times, like how much movie was Mm -hmm. left because I was just like clawing my fucking eyes out. Um, And and what's crazy about that is it's only like an hour and change. Yeah. Like it's like an hour and 10 minutes. And and the fact that it's that (laughs) short and you're still like looking at your watch, like that's Um, a problem. I I have a new habit. You know, I I know we all look up reviews and story and all these things after the film ends. I've been looking on uh, Letterboxd briefly after a lot of them because Mm -hmm. it's interesting to see like you read the critics reviews, but it's kind of nice to see like what are just some regular ass people who watch a lot of movies have to say about this and i (laughs) i saw this one that the whole review just said this is barely a movie but it's such an effective time capsule it almost doesn't have to be and i was like okay i can see like okay like i see what you're saying i could understand why you would feel that way but i just am like sorry i still for me personally like it has to be a movie to some extent you can't just be a time capsule otherwise just give me a five minute time capsule like here's what New York looked like in eighty one downtown. There you go. Yeah. But don't try to like, you know, put it in this situation of like, it's a movie and it's absolutely not. That's kinda so. why I was saying there were so many moments where he's walking with his painting through these like uh what what seems to be war torn New York, you know? It yeah. just seems like 
just destroyed. And I'm like, oh my God, this doesn't exist anymore. Every inch of New York is now like taken. Like it, this doesn't happen. You don't get an empty building anymore. You don't get a, right. a whole block of like torment. It's like that doesn't exist. It was really cool to see. It's pouring. It's yeah. pouring, pouring. San Diego here. just started a hailstorm over yeah. here. I think. Yeah, like for real. It's like it's like rattling, rattling. The uh, the ghost of Jean Michel Basquiat is uh, coming to get us for saying these words about his film. Yeah, right. Um, yes, yeah, so a time capsule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So speak a little bit on that. Yes. Well, I uh, I did have one more thing to say about this, which is that, and I know I've brought this up at about other films, which is, I wonder, does this have more, is this held in a higher regard than it otherwise would be if Jean-Michel Basquiat had not died a tragic, youthful death, as we talked about with Rebel Without a Cause and, you know, all these other things. I kind of wonder, like, is it the fact that he's now gone, this came out, you know, so many years after he died that people were like, oh, I'm so you know, wishing for this time in New York and for him to still be with us and making this amazing art and all of these things. I just, yeah, I just kind of wonder how much that Mm. affects people's perception and and rating of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think so. I mean, there's a reason people are like, Nirvana's album, Bleach. Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) Shut up. Right. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Yeah. Oh. We might die. Okay. I hope you both uh, maintain power and you don't lose power. Those are some really good points about this film. And I, I'm going to piggyback off some of those points about Downtown 81. You know, you mentioned that, like, that letterboxer mentioning time capsule. Uh, to me, my overall is that I'm glad that these events were recorded and mm. that this exists. I remember years ago, like, I think post-Iraq or Afghanistan war of, like, the idea that museums and libraries were just being destroyed by terror groups. And it's a strange thought to think about, but when you, like, destroy your recorded history, you're just, like, erasing all the progress of a culture. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And yeah. to me, this was, if nothing else, obviously I agree with you about, I mean, the editing is kind of awful. The acting is bad. Obviously they lost the audio, et cetera, et cetera. And the way it's all pieced together doesn't really make much sense. But many of these artists, with the exception of Fab Five Freddy, I'm like, I have no idea what this was. And it to me, it's like this amazing record of... There's this like idea of all these cities uh, that you know um, can flourish because it attracts. It's the you know giving back uh, phenomena where the more people that oh you want to do comedy go to L.A. or New York or whatever, uh, and then the more people who go there, then there's like more talented artists or creatives, et cetera, et cetera, and it just keeps building. And Britt, I know you lived in San Francisco for a while. They talk about that with tech. There was like this period of time in San Francisco where it's like these hotbed areas. And, you know, I think you see it clear as day in this film. Like, wait, what the fuck? Like the birth of kind of like punk rock 
hip hop, graffiti art, new wave, like, mm-hmm. wow, like all this was happening in this short temporal period. And it's kind of mind blowing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, if nothing else, I'm glad somebody had a camcorder in 1980. Like, let's just let's just record this. Because, and again, like a lot of those bands didn't achieve commercial success. I didn't know about like King Creole and the Coconuts, where I was like, but these guys, these guys are amazing. I had no idea that this existed. So, right. The f- and you guys will, I, on that note, Ian, you guys did know that that was John Lurie, right? And the Lounge Lizards? Yeah. I read it and was like, oh my God, how did I miss that? Probably because I was too busy rolling my eyes. Uh, but I, I, I do want to go back and see, <laughs> see that cameo. And I know that. I know that um I know that uh, uh Blondie was in it at some point. Was she the princess? Correct. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then also Vincent Gallo was in it, which if you don't know who Vincent Gallo is, he's my boy over there, Brown Bunny. Uh Buffalo sixty six. Buffalo, New York, uh, baby. Uh, uh, yeah. Oh my god. A whole a whole a whole other world of, of, of reference there. Um two things. Yeah, I didn't mean to stop you, but go ahead. One my dad has like a famous story. He used to go to the same gym as Vincent Gallo back in the eighties. Two, God, he's like a, yeah, it's <laughs> amazing. Um, the movie, right? All the parts with uh, Basquiat is narrated by Saul Williams. And if you don't know Saul Williams, check him out. And kind of random, <laughs> but in two thousand three. To your point earlier, Bo, of kind of living that Bill Murray thing of just like, just go for it. Just do it. I was 18 years old, and I was a huge fan of the band The Mars Volta. And uh, mm-hmm. when their first album came out, it was like I looked up in the newspaper like, hey, they're playing Rochester, New York. So I just got in my truck with my buddy and just drove and got tickets to the show. And Saul Williams opened up and just did spoken word poetry for like 40 That's minutes awesome. straight and it was still one of the most like mind-blowing <laughs> wow. performances i've ever seen um so that was cool that's awesome that being said one only like circling back to the actual movie uh the one thing i'll say and we'll get into our ratings the film yeah but i did find the closing <laughs> sequence and the, the ending of the movie to be beautiful like that shot of him driving through the night into the morning light in new york and that song is Suicide, Cherie, Cherie. Like, that's a beautiful, like, two-minute sequence that probably boosted my rating of the film. That's the only thing mm. that I was like, all right, you, you got it right on that. Okay. That was the one thing you got right on this. I feel like this movie would have been much better if it was just, uh, hey, here's New York, and here's a bunch of bands. I would rather have been like, Downtown 81 was just a documentary. It was just a documentary of, like, John Michel Basquiat doing his, like, artistic thing but as a film i was like what is this doing i just didn't feel like it was that strong i would have i i just didn't find it to be that compelling even as just an artist saying like hey here's an idea i have it just wasn't that good really quick my only comment on that the only thing i'll say (laughs) no just that point about i agree with you that if this was just a documentary it probably is a better picture and or just a a better film and you know i think we're in this like cool period of time right now with documentaries like we kind of forget that like mm-hmm. from a sports angle like the 30 for 30s are only in the last 10 years we're like whoa sports docs um and you know mm-hmm. rock band music documentaries things like that that like early 2000s but 
I also, the only reason I push back a little bit and where maybe like as a choice where all of these musicians, artists, whatever, are trying to act. It's like, I remember there's like this old Dylan documentary, Don't Look Back, and he's kind of acting it or like, like all these other rock stars are like, because it's like, well, I don't want anyone to actually know who I am. And that there's this blurred line of privacy that I feel like pre-internet, people are like, no one knows about my actual life. <laughs> and they post internet of like, yeah. you get to know everything. <laughs> um, and so that's the only way I could see like, if you are Basquiat or, you know, any, like Fab Fried Freddy or Debbie Harry or any of these people like, oh, you're going to record me, but like, I can just pretend and play like some character. All right, fine. I'll do that. Versus like a day in the life of Jean-Michel. Let's go follow him around as he walks around New York. Anyway, that's my only thought of like, ah, we kind of forget there was a time where people valued prophecy. <laughs> Must have been a nice time. So, Bo, what did you rate this? I, I Okay, I only pause because I want to make sure that I'm committed to this. <laughs> and I'm not. And I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. So I changed it. Okay, mm. I gave this film a 4.5. So, mm. it lands exactly where uh, our last week pick of Symbio Psycho Taxoplasm Take One. I just like saying that, so I want to say it one yeah, more right. time. Yeah, um, right. Sure. So, I'm, I'm giving this a 4.5. I think a uh, great uh, look at New York in the 1980s, but a uh, great look at like some of those bands and some interesting ideas here. But ultimately, I wasn't sold on it. It, it just wasn't my thing. It just wasn't my thing. A little too art house for me. Brit. Um, yeah, I, I very much agree with everything you just said. And also am much harsher than you. And so I gave it a 3.5. Yeah, I fucking hit. Listen, I love the time capsule idea. I would love for this to have driven home whatever it was trying to be. But as a film, ignoring how cool mm. it is to see New York in 81 and see all this, all these emerging scenes sort of overlapping and interacting and all that, as a film, this was such a fucking hardcore failure for me that like I almost Ooh. wish it had never happened. Wow. But yeah, cool 3. to see 5. New York in 81. 3.5. Wow. <laughs> 3.5. Well. What about you, Ian? Well, I... Did not differ to great fucking pick. Great pick. I don't regret. I don't regret watching it. I'm joking. I'm joking. How oh my god. I'm joking. No, this. Is, I'm joking because I know you're sensitive. I am sensitive. This is uh, <laughs> something my mom would say, and I just had a like I had a moment where I'm like, ooh, oh, ooh. I just sounded like my mother. Um, we'll talk after we're done recording. <laughs> no, um, this is definitely something that I think is like a art school stroke fest. Where, like, mm. art students like, oh, my God, have you seen Downtown 81? Oh, my God, it's, like, the most amazing thing <sighs> ever. Oh, my God. It's just so inspiring and, like, influential. Fuck that. Change cinema. Change, Change cinema. cinema. No, no, yeah. no. And no. I, I, I gave it a 5.5 because, again, my threshold is 6. If I would recommend watching it, I do not. But I gave it a little higher rating because, as I said, that end scene made me, like, feel the feels a little bit. So... That's how I gave it a little 5.5. I don't disagree either with you about the film itself. And I appreciate 
keeping it pure to the subject, not all the extra, because uh, I know that's mm-hmm. something you hate. Though. Well, no, and I just, <laughs> it's not, don't do what I want you to do. I just, no. I just think, like the movie should stand on its own. Movie should stand on its own as a story and or whatever it is. And in this case, and maybe I'm wrong, I just didn't think it did. So, so this is the part of the show where we gave our ratings a 5.5, 4.5, and 3.5. Wow. And uh, now we're going to do a trivia. Ian, it's your week with trivia. What do you got for us? It's me versus Brit. Let's get it going. Uh, we're hoping to get Brit on the board point-wise. She's still scoreless for the season. Uh, I'm keeping with the theme of Basquiat. Uh, recently, oh. there is a news story that a screen printing that Andy Warhol did of a portrait of Basquiat it should go at Christie's auction for $20 million. One thing that about this movie is it, it, apparently Downtown 81 was considered cinema verite or observational cinema. Apparently, the movie had many parallels to Basquiat's actual life and that the production of this film, that the company gave him his first first art supplies and the paintings he was carrying around in this film were the very first paintings he made. One of those paintings was purchased by Debbie Harry at the end of the filming. How much money did Debbie Harry buy? Britt raises her hand first. How much? $200, Bob. That is correct. That is Britt has got her first point. In 2021. So <laughs> $200. I wonder how much that is worth today. That is correct. $7 million. $7 million. Oh, I don't know. Wow. Wow. She bought a painting from him in real life. In real life, she bought a painting from him for $200. That's cor- allegedly, according to Wikipedia. So that shit. glad that I shit. read article the wikipedia after watching this <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna okay, give well, now you I know what I have to do. twenty dollars two hundred dollars or two thousand dollars <laughs> which you know yeah. but you you apparently knew that so congratulations brit uh we have a second question so speaking of debbie harry debbie harry mostly known for her singing career as blondie and her music career, but she has quite a filmography. Debbie Harry, one of her most prominent roles was in which 1980s John Waters film, also featuring Ricky Lake and Divine? Brit for the sweep. Hairspray? That is correct. Yes! <laughs> Dang, that's what I was gonna say. Good job. Whoa, I'm in it. I'm in it now. Three points. You've just tied. Wow. You've. Wow. Wow. And see, Britt, that's how you ask a trivia question where even though you didn't know. Yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. At least I gave yeah. enough hints yeah. that it was guessable. Exactly. Right. Exactly. You know exactly. I had a little bit of fuck you that I needed to get out last week. All right. I was. Yeah, that, uh, tell me I was about working it. Through some things. Tell me about and it. And I appreciate you both. Congratulations, Britt. Thank you. Thank you. Well. That's awesome. Good job. 
Ooh, back in action. Wow, Britt has just tied, moved up to a tie in second place with me and Bo in a commanding yes. front-running first place. But the season is young. <laughs> well, season is young, everybody. Don't worry, there's going to be a ground ball real soon, maybe even a home run. Do you want to watch Bull Durham again? Uh, oh, God, God. No. <laughs> no. Bull Durham 2, I'm sure there's a sequel. <laughs> um, <laughs> Guys, ready for the second film? So I'm so fucking ready. Please get to it. Please get to it. Uh, so getting off the New York City gear or bandwagon, uh, Ingmar Bergman, famous film director from Sweden. I have never seen anything he's done, uh, and so I just saw what Criterion Collection had. I said, let me just pick blindly. And I picked 1961's Through mm -hmm. a Glass Darkly, set on the Faroe Islands, uh, up in, you know, fucking, you know, that, that area of Scandinavia, whatever. It's up there in the <laughs> north. I'm from America. We don't know up geography. Up and cold. Right. Sure. Uh, a film about a dad and his, like, hot schizophrenic daughter. Uh, a lot of stuff going on oh, on this boy. island. But, uh... Really centering on the, this, this schizophrenic daughter. A lot of themes emerging from that dynamic. Brittany, <laughs> what did you think? Tell Thank us. Thank God. Thank God. Well, <laughs> I, I can't wait to hear what Bo has to say now. Um, this, I'm going to say, I really always, I keep doing this to myself, but I routinely end up disappointed when I watch a film on the day that we record because I feel like it very much affects my perception of it. Whether it's going to be good or bad, I feel a little bit like rushed in it. And uh, especially with what I, I feel like outside of that, this seems like the type of film that like you need a little bit of time to let it sort mm -hmm. of settle into your consciousness you know like you need a moment to be like okay i watched that and then like let it ruminate then you have an opinion so i'm a little sad that i watched this today because i would love to have had a little more time to think about it but uh i will say this seems like a really good example of something a classic film that is really like doing everything right on paper um like acting directing cinematography especially cinematography, um, all good, all good, all happening. Um, I felt like it was a little bit lacking in the story department, which is hard to judge because it's taking place over the course of a day. So like how much, you know, development is there really going to be in that? Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, like I said, I would love to have had some more time to like settle on this, but um I did really appreciate the cinematography and the lighting within that. I thought it was like everybody's face always looked so like it just seemed like there was a lot of attention and care put into the way every shot was set up and lit. Um, there was a lot of cringe, which I understand because we're dealing with a lot of a lot of cringeworthy topics in a 24 hour period here. Like there's a fucking lot. Mm -hmm. This family's a mess. Um, but one thing that like an overall theme that I took away from this that I did really like 
and there were, I didn't write down the quote, but I know that there was a quote about um, everyone sort of being in a cage to some extent. And I thought that it did a really good job of illustrating how all four of these characters are very much caught in their own cage or prison of some different kind, whether as part of a mental illness um, or dealing with, you know, frustration in your artistic abilities or, you know, the younger brother is in this sort of cage we've all experienced of adolescence and all of the frustrations and difficulties that come with that. And then her husband wanting to fuck your sister. Right. Wanting to fuck your sister. We all know what that's like. Um, We know what that's like. And then, and then, you know, the husband who is stuck loving this person that he knows is just sort of slowly deteriorating and trying to figure out how he's supposed to handle that. Um, you know what that's like. Yeah. I thought that was, that, that was, it, it explored a lot in a very short time. Um, I also, mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. Like my immediate, when it ended, I was just like, what? <laughs> like, I really didn't know what to think about it. But I think as the day went on, I was like, yeah, no, that did a lot of things well, which is why I would have liked to have more time with it. But that's where I'm at right now. What about you, Bo? What, uh, what's your take on Thread oh, Starkly? Yes. Um, so, so my opinion is this is like this is one of those films where you could freeze frame it at any moment and it's the most gorgeous photograph you've ever seen. It's just filled with these great moments a great landscape and background, good characters. You know, I think it, a lot of it has to do with the timing of when this came out, but there are some things I feel like I wish was a little bit more clear and not so subtle. Like, for example, the scene where the, the brother and the sister do end up having sex. I think if I wasn't so obviously like tuned into that, that I don't know that it would have been as clear but it's a really pivotal part, right? And I feel like it's it's because of the time. It's like kind of missed its like intensity. It's not that intense. Um, that being said, this film was really like like what you said, Britt. It was it was kind of sad how everyone's kind of trapped, trapped in their own thing. It starts so innocently, right? They're all in the water. They're playing and yay, let's go. Who's gonna make dinner? Blah blah. blah. And then it turns into like. Oh, she has schizophrenia and the the husband is trapped in his own thing because he's with someone who can't really love him. Truly, the father's got some major, obviously, like abandonment things going on there. And the son wants to fuck his sister. So I know that sounds sexy the way I just put it. Um, (laughs) I like this film, but I like his films. I, I like I like those films. I mean, I've seen The Seventh Seal, and that was amazing, too. And uh, and also has Max Sydow. He's a famous guy. You would know him as an older person. Look him up. Mm. Um, and he's in both those films. And, and so I really did like this film, and I thought it was a really uh, daring portrayal of schizophrenia, even if it was, like, wrong in some ways. I felt like that actress did a great job of portraying that. And it was really sad to see it all happening, you know. I was moved by this this picture. Um, I just think that some of the scenes that were supposed to be this or that um, 
ended up coming off like kind of confusing. Like I read in an article where the helicopter coming down with the shadow was supposed to represent a spider. And that's why she said, I saw God and it was a spider. And that's because as the helicopter came down, but it's like, it didn't really get represented that way that well. And so I was, I almost feel like it would have been better if the shadow came down as a spider, but then it turned into a helicopter. Right. Somehow. Or even just and to show like, the oh. shadow, like, and maybe I missed right, you. But like, right. if you saw the shadow and then she started screaming hysterically, right. then like, oh, right. okay, we can make that connection. Yeah. Right. That's how I feel. Yeah. So, but I still think this film was really, did a really good job of what it was trying to do. Right. It was trying to talk about those, have that conversation about, I mean, I, I especially felt for the father in a lot of ways because you know the main character the woman having schizophrenia you realize that the dad probably had to have had to deal with all of that trauma from the mother having schizophrenia and her dying and him being grateful for her dying and then finding out his daughter has it and then having her go through and have all the tests put on her and 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 electroshock therapy it's like He's carrying a lot of garbage, a lot of fucking garbage. And um, I don't know. I, I just, I felt for this family. It's like everyone's so fucked up. Everyone's so fucked up, but we all are so fucked up. Nothing's changed since then to now. True Sorry. Story. That's, that's how I feel. Uh, the rape scene, not the rape scene. Wow. The incest scene. Ooh. Sorry, that was kind of rapey too. Well, but, I think he was underage, so right. statutory, at least. Uh, yeah. It was unclear. <laughs> I admit that, like in the movie, I was like, "Did he? Did she just kiss him? Like, what just happened?" And then they're like, "Oh, I, mm. oh, he, she did a thing. She." Uh... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I agree. There was like a couple yeah. of those moments where the storytelling was vague, like some key points mm-hmm. of the film. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, even just the fact of him, uh, her finding the dad's journal. Like, those little pieces kind of like, wait, what? Like, oh, that's... Or right, the right, son's... Right. Like, the son performing the play that was like, I hate you, dad. This is kind of about you being a hack. Like, wait, what's going on? Wait, wait. <laughs> yeah. What's, like, the, yeah, that wasn't clear. That wasn't really clear. But... Not to me. No, and, and part of that, not the cl- best writing, um... Or just storytelling and like the sewing together of the scenes, but you know, wouldn't be right. wouldn't be my review unless I had a quote. Uh, so, <laughs> first, so first Corinthians thirteen twelve. No, 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 no. For now, we. Oh, you're gonna pull up the Bible. You're gonna pull up the Bible verse where they say He's doing it yeah. through. Uh, For now okay, we through, see through okay, a glass through, darkly, through. but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know even as I am also known. Now, this movie, <laughs> I, I I will say I agree wholeheartedly with your point, Brittany, where. When I first watched it, I was like, meh. And then multiple days later, it, the final scenes really stuck with me and really had a profound mm. uh, effect on me. And 
I mentioned in the beginning I was pretty emotional recently. To me, there's a couple key moments in the end where the son's talking to the dad and he has that line of like, I had a burst of reality where anything can happen. And I was like, holy fuck. Like, again, this illumination, but also that these things that you cannot predict in your day-to-day life that actually like make life what it is. And then the father, that final dialogue where... He talks about, yeah, God is love, and that is it, like love, just like, and yeah, kind of like, it seemed the, 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 the father talking on the boat of, you know, attempting suicide and kind of like, yeah, I just thought I'm going to be the greatest novelist ever, and I've kind of ignored my family, and that's something I right. personally have been questioning my just whatever life is what it is but i'm like ah, i moved to dallas for work and career opportunities and i am so alone <laughs> and i just had this like yeah huh huh and maybe it, it is a thing where you get older and you kind of realize yeah i mean care about the people that are in your life and it goes by quick and uh yeah and so on a personal note that theme really struck me and i think they did he did a very good job of communicating that final message i think it wasn't perfect for the first three quarters and (laughs) but i feel like he nailed the final five minutes kind of thing again i agree helicopter spider not that great but other than that, that's what really that, that 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 has stuck with me for days now. Of just this, keep coming back to like, mm. who knows about mm. any you know whatever religion you subscribe to, just love people, just love these flawed people that are all struggling. We're all pieces of shit. Just love them. Just try to show some love and compassion yeah. or whatever. Like, ugh, <laughs> ugh, So. I enjoyed this film tremendously just for that execution and that choice of this is the story I'm going to tell. Um, yeah. Yeah. Nice. I like when films do that to me, when they make me sort of evaluate some part of my real life. Uh, that That's when they really like, you're like, oh, man. I mean, yeah, that character for sure is somebody that I... I could connect with more than any of the other ones you know the dad um that's awesome you got that from it uh what did you rate this film ian i mean i know it's your week but like what was it and this might surprise you um it's like a one it almost always does <laughs> no i i want a, a 7.5 on this Wow, okay. A point five, 7. just 5. a half. Wow, that really just committing. Well, I was stuck between a I'm proud of you. seven and eight, and uh, and I did. I, and there, you, I, and then I, I right in the middle, I edited it together. Boom. And divided by two, and you're oh, never gonna believe this, but how, fifteen how divided about? by two, seven point five. <laughs> and I took out. I'm gonna note uh, that for later. Uh, your iPhone has a calculator function, which is incredible. 
Really? And okay. I, I save it right on my home screen. Uh, Brit. Is that just on the newer uh, iPhones? It's a, or? It's a, thir- uh, it's yeah. a 13. Oh, okay. Well, I, I can't wait to get that one day. What did you give this film, Brit? This may shock you. Um, I was stuck between a, uh, a 6.1 and an 8.57. Um, so I decided to go with a 7.5. Whoa. 7.5. Yeah, just a, a good, wow. solid, wow. short number between two numbers. Well, maybe for the first time in the history of history, I gave this film a 7.5. <gasps> So across the board, wow. all three of us gave the same score. Oh, wait. It happened one other time on Sunset Boulevard. We all gave it an eight. And also oh. the good, the bad, and the ugly, an eight. It doesn't matter. We do this a lot. Um, <laughs> Forget everything you said. Okay. Right? Oh, my gosh. I just feel like we're, like, synced up right now. We're, we're vibing, we're you guys. <laughs> uh, this moon is really impacting my zodiac sign. <laughs> just just your general um, zodiac sign whatever that may be <laughs> okay ian's drunk i'm gonna yeah ian's drunk no. okay so here we go i'm gonna give you guys the coming attractions for next week next Please. week the films we'll be reviewing are going to be all night long by basil dearden from 1962 a really amazing film noir uh that has a lot to do with jazz and then uh, jazz. And then John Huston's 1948 movie, The Treasure of the Sierra Madre, which is a film I've never seen and always have been dying to see. So I'm very excited about these two films. Uh, I love you guys. This has been another episode of the MCFC. And uh, as we always do, I love you. I love you. I love you. Movie Cinema Film Club is brought to you by Shit Show Media. Make sure you check out all of our upcoming movies we'll be talking about on our Instagram at Movie Cinema Film Club. If you have an opinion, a comment, or a movie you think we should watch and discuss, email us at moviecinemafilmclub at gmail.com. This week's episode was written by Ian Schof, Brittany Everett, and me, Bo Hufford, and it was edited by Brittany Everett. Remember, support your local cinema, don't spoil films, be oh so quiet at the movies, and for the love of God, choose to read subtitles and boycott film dubbing. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. You just gotta pop the cherry. Just pop it with that hard six, or maybe a soft eight. I'd rather have a hard six than a soft eight. Who wouldn't?